Welcome to the Big Dreams Great Teams podcast with me, your host, Paula Maidens. I'm a mum of two, a hiring and leadership coach, speaker, ex-corporate recruiter and serial entrepreneur who is obsessed with teaching capable business owners just like you how to become graceful and powerful leaders surrounded by a team who perform like rock stars. On this podcast, we'll be talking about all things people, business and leadership because Big dreams need great teams. You simply cannot do it on your own. I'm excited to have you here. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, everybody. I am thrilled to have offshoring expert Tiffany English on the podcast today. Tiff is the founder and driving force behind Access Offshoring, an offshore recruitment company that specializes in bridging the gap between local businesses and exceptional talent in the Philippines. She also has an extensive background in business improvement and change management and a deep understanding of what it takes to create sustainable business growth. So I'm so excited to have her here on the podcast today. Welcome, Tiff. Thanks, Paula. So great to be here. I'm very excited. Thanks for having me. Do you want to kick off by telling us a little bit about you and your business and and how you do what you do and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I guess go back a couple of steps. I've always had a bit of a love for business improvement, as you said in my intro. And for me, that was very much how can I create businesses with sustainable growth, whether it was mine or someone else's. And so always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, but spent the first half of my career in executive manager roles, kind of walking in, implementing software, hiring people, making myself redundant and moving on which was good fun. And so for the last kind of 12 years of that journey, a Philippines team was part of my strategy. And so as I started a consulting firm many years ago, which I sold last year, having my own offshore team was actually absolutely part of that puzzle and just kept getting roadblock after roadblock and actually went through an enormous amount of staff over the Philippines in a very short amount of time and thought, I don't know why I'm persisting, but I know there's more to this and I've had great Filipinos, so how do we make this work? And so that prompted me to go, right, how do I set this up for myself? And so a two-year journey of setting up a Philippines entity and having someone locally and all that rigmarole, we eventually started Access Offshoring. So eventually it's just developed and it was something that I was doing organically on the side of my consulting firm and as that May last year, head deep, full-time, and we're growing the team very fast, which is lovely. Amazing. So we have both mentioned the word offshoring a couple of times. So let's start there. What is offshoring? How's it different to outsourcing? If we can start there, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's such a critical piece, particularly for people, do you know, even people who have been using offshore staff, irrespective of what country, this term often just doesn't get understood. It shouldn't be used interchangeably, even though it often is. So offshoring is very much the process of a dedicated person that will join your team and you will treat them like a team member as though you're hiring someone locally, right? So there's a recruitment process, there's an identification process, there's a screening and a final selection. And as they join your team, you're expected to provide training and ongoing support and growth, just as you would someone irrespective of location. Outsourcing, however, tends to be extremely helpful and effective if you're looking for some really specialist tasks and you don't necessarily have the workload or requirement for a full-time or even a part-time dedicated resource. So really helpful for things like lead generation or, you know, social media outreach, you know, if they're going on LinkedIn or cold calling, call centres, even some marketing work. The outsourcing model then allows you to have smaller snippets of time. You're not responsible for those staff, but you're paying for an expertise per se. And they 
offshore, meaning they're in the Philippines or another country. So you mentioned they're a part-time or a full-time employee. Are most offshores or say in your business and in general, are they typically full-time? Yeah, they are. And one of the reasons for that is it is a third world country and one of their biggest personal requirements is security. And you're obviously not paying a lot of money. It's all very relative to the situation, but it's really important for them to have that financial security. So if you don't hire full-time, you tend to have much smaller retention because they're always chasing that full-time opportunity. So what we do in those situations, if there is a role where we feel we can absolutely accommodate, we will always hire a Filipino on a full-time basis. And in some instances, we'll stretch them across two clients so that we're helping to ensure that retainability. Right. So you give the resource, the security of a full-time job, and then on your side, you allocate it across two people who may have part-time needs. Got it. Okay. So are there normal tasks or normal roles based on your experience that a Filipino offshore resource can do really well? Yeah. And I think this has evolved so much in the last, particularly five years, right? So Australia particularly has been using the Philippines since about 1992. So a lot happens in 20 years. And the population over there is really large, right? Far larger than we can ever expect. And at the moment, they're expecting around three, three and a half million by the end of this year, people in the Philippines working for Australian, US and UK companies. So we're talking huge volume, right? So what that means is that over the course of the last two decades, all of a sudden, the amount of exposure they've got to skills, to Australian businesses and to things that we do part of every day has really expanded not to mention that they are actually a really highly educated country in their own right. And so what used to be very back-end, data administrative, potentially call centre sort of roles has really started to evolve. And in the last kind of six months, we're now, yes, still doing data admin roles as an example, but we're hiring schedulers, service coordinators, mechanical and civil engineers that are supporting and doing drawings and takeoff templates. We're hiring buyer agents assistants, property manager assistants. And so the list kind of goes on and then obviously some really strong skills in a marketing space too. So I think the skills have really developed and I did a post on this the other day that they're no longer this this VA virtual assistant I think is probably null and void and we actually need to start calling them as per their specialty because they're educated, they're qualified and they've got the experience that you're after. Mm. I went to visit you know, a lot of BPOs, so offshore businesses in the Philippines, I want to say back in 2014, which is a long time ago now. And back then, there was quite this clear delineation between you know, hand over or use this type of resource for repeatable rule-based tasks that are repetitive and look to move those sorts of things offshore. But based on what you've just said, like engineers, civil engineers, et cetera, it, it feels like it's really evolved well past that based on your experience. Is that right? Yeah, but do you know what I think has evolved? And I'm, I'm kind of speaking off the cuff as I'm talking about this. I think what has evolved is the way that we're actually managing them. So, you know, 15 or so years ago, it was very much set them up with consistent processes. So the level of effort and constant touch points could be low. And so you'd set them up with these processes and very much follow these guidelines. And it was really easy to follow the bouncing ball. And so they were able to build a powerhouse engine, so to speak, with probably some setup and some initial training, but then you're off and running. And it didn't require the development or the growth or the ongoing skills and training. 
Whereas now I think we're so used to an environment where people are everywhere and we're not necessarily managing people that are sitting behind us. And so if you start to explore that from a perspective of actually I can train and educate these people, they're just as capable as us. So if you're willing to put in the work and you find someone with the baseline education that you require, you no longer have to rely on just providing them the grunt work. You're able to really extend what they're capable of doing, but it requires effort. It requires effort and it requires time, just as you'd be developing a team member in Australia. So I think that's actually the difference more so than the Philippines has changed. Sure, they've been exposed to Australian culture and they've been working with Aussies and naturally that you know, allows them to develop in their own right. But I think that exposure has been more the significant change. Mm. In general, I find that the English language skills are, are so good. It has been the case, you know, since since I went there, I guess in nine, ten years. And I think that there's been that increase in Australianizing <laughs> the English language recently. So yeah. So talk us through the process. Let's say somebody listening wants to, you know, weigh up the pros and cons or do I have a role that's appropriate for this? Where do they start? How do they work that out? Yeah. So Number one, you've got to make sure you understand what you're after, offshoring or outsourcing, right? So I had a conversation with someone last night. She said, oh, they want a really high-level marketing person. And I said, does that person understand the role? Do they understand the tasks? Can they provide further training and education? And the answer is no, right? So they're trying to bring a skill set internally that they don't already have. That probably isn't going to be super successful, right? Because they need growth. They need opportunity. They need to learn. By all means, you can absolutely then consider potentially an outsourcing method, right, where you've actually got that model and they've got trained people and they're specialists in that field. So that's the, the step one. What skill set do you have in-house and what sort of tasks do you need them to do? Really map it out because unless there's expectations, and I hear you talk about this all the time, Paula, right, irrespective of your team, you've got to have expectations. There's going to be a clear alignment of exactly what they're meant to be doing. And if you're not clear on that, they're not going to be clear on that. So understand what that looks like. And then thirdly, from a timing perspective, as with any team member, particularly if we're talking to owners and leaders, you're going to be way quicker than anyone you just onboard off the bat, right? Irrespective of where you are, it's just the way it is. So you've got to allow for that. So it's something that might be taking you a couple of hours. Initially, it could be taking them longer. So that needs to be factored in. So I think once you've identified if you need that offshoring versus outsourcing, and you've identified what sort of tasks they're going to be doing and the time that you have in terms of workload, you've then just going to make sure that you've got the energy and the capacity to put into training someone offshore because it is harder. It is certainly harder. And I don't think it's any harder than if you were training someone who lives in Sydney while you live in Melbourne, but it does require more intention and it does require you to to sit and take time and do lots of video calls and have lots of conversations. So you've really got to be prepared to do that. Otherwise, it will probably fall over. Okay, so it's not a set and forget. So get clear on what you actually want the person to do. Look at the number of hours and don't take it one for one. If it takes you one hour, what maybe it's going to take them three hours, certainly, you know, from the outset perhaps. Look, I'd expect it to really fine-tune and after a couple of months there'd be maybe 25% or 50% more time than you. But particularly from the outset, training requires time and energy on both fronts, right? Okay, so clarity, look at the hours, look at your own workload to see how practical it is and if the workload's there for them and check you've got the energy and the capacity to actually, you know, be involved and do lots of, 
you know, face-to-face and video screening and training, I should say. So that's obviously, you know, there are pros and cons in there. Let's talk about the cost. Can you give us rough indications around what it costs actually to hire a offshore Filipino resource? Yeah, absolutely. So for any sort of admin, back office, accounts, marketing support roles, full-time, you would generally be looking at between the $25,000 a year up to maybe $35,000 a year. And that's Australian dollars? That's Australian dollars for a full year. Okay. So a full-time person in sort of admin back office, twenty five to 35000 Australian. And then does it go up from there based on if it's engineering or architecture or something specialist? Yeah, absolutely. That tends to be the ballpark of where most of our candidates sit. But when you're starting to get highly leveled, highly skilled engineers, for example, with a long background of the specific industry and skill, you may go up as high as 40 to 45K. The highest paid roles at the moment in terms of what Aussies would be looking for are actually probably more in the accounting space because it's becoming extremely competitive, in which case I've had a couple that hit the 50 to 55K. But we're talking senior accountants that would probably be getting paid 150 to 200K here. So if you, if you work on about a third of the price, you're pretty close to local salaries. So we're talking a little bit about pros and cons. Obviously, the price is a massive pro. Are there any other sort of warnings or cons that people need to be aware of before jumping into this and just making a cost-based decision? Yeah, absolutely. Number one, really weigh up your options in terms of providers. So there are people who do different models, absolutely, and that's really important. But as quickly as you can get transparency over what your Filipino is getting is a really good first step. And that was definitely one of the reasons why I had so much trouble in my initial year of failing at offshoring for sure was because I I really had no transparency and I had no control over what they were getting or what benefits they could have. So depending on the model, and this is specifically talking offshoring, having transparency on that, what your team are getting paid particularly is really helpful. So weigh up your pros and cons and really understand what provider you're going to be working with. The other thing I'd say is that if there's any need for you to have Philippines bank accounts or anything like that, probably steer clear. You know, there should be no reason for you to do that. In fact, you can't unless you have local presence in the Philippines. So if there's any conversation around that, it's a bit of a red flag. And then secondly, you've just got to make sure that you've got the touch points with your team. I think where people often go wrong is they feel that there's this set and forget mentality. And then if it is very much rinse and repeat tasks that they're able to just leave them to their own devices. Now, particularly when you've only got one or maybe two people, that gets really hard because the reality is people crave connection. They crave growth. All the things that we as humans crave, they also crave, surprise, surprise. And so if you are not providing that, you are not going to get staff that are committed and loyal to you. That's the reality. So I think that's something that really needs to be considered and you have to put effort into doing those touch points. It could be a quick phone call in the morning. It could be a daily email at night. It could be ensuring that you're including them in team meetings. It could be making sure you say happy birthday, right? (laughs) All of the normal human things that we don't think about locally, you have to apply. You know, that is definitely what I would say. You've got to be willing to do those things to look out for. One thing I will say, lots of people think, even a call I had this morning, all right, Tiff, we'll make sure we go and write all the processes so when this person jumps on board, we're going to be ready. It's never going to happen. I don't know about you, Paula, but I'm yet to find a business that has every process written out, right? Things move, things change. It's hard. It's the last thing on the list. 
And one of my biggest encouragement pieces is actually just show them how to do it and get them to write the process. It really embeds the learning, right? They all of a sudden really are clear on the process because they've had to write it. And all you're doing is doing the final 10% touches on it. So I don't, I suppose, overcook, for lack of a better word, your need to dive into it. You don't actually have to do that much. You don't have to change software you're using. You just have to be ready to have another resource and put the time and effort into working with them. Got it. Okay. And you mentioned providers. So for anyone listening where this whole concept is brand new, talk a little bit more about a provider. So going through someone like you, who in turn employs the person, is that is that what you mean by provider? Yeah, spot on. Thanks for clarifying. So there's a couple of ways you can do it when you're looking for someone. There will be some companies that actually have people on the bench and they have hired them already based on a skill set. And when they find a client that they think match, here's the candidate, you're ready to go. Then there's other providers, us being one of them, we are essentially a recruitment company. So we're the offshore recruitment specialists. Our role is to actually very specifically find you what you're after and match. And so we don't have people sitting on the bench. And so the lead times can be a little longer. You know, we're talking two to four weeks, but we're looking specifically for someone that fits your culture, fits your skill and will fit your team. And so it's probably that difference between how much involvement you need in the recruitment process and for outsourcing, it might be none. For offshoring, you definitely should. And so really understand what that provider is going to give you in terms of input. And you talked about knowing what your resource, your person actually gets paid. So that twenty-five to 35000 Australian dollars gets paid to the company, in which case, you know, it could be you access offshoring. And then knowing, well, how much of that actually goes to your person. And I think also based on my experience, it's, it's important to know well, what benefits are standard, what extra things are you doing over there, if anything, to help engage this person as well. So, you know, to share with you a little bit about my experience and to everybody listening, I've worked with offshore VAs probably for since I went over there in 2014. And I've worked with them in lots of different capacities through a provider like you. And I've worked with them directly as well. And obviously there's pros and cons to both. But the, one of the benefits I found with going through a provider such as you was that, that there was that additional layer of engagement and feeling like they're a part of something else, you know, even locally as well, which I found beneficial. So is that part of what you offer? And I think, you know, you and I have had some side chats about, do you supply equipment? Like, do you send them the computer? Are all those logistics taken care of as well? Yeah. So the difference between a provider, so speaking just on behalf of us and do your research on others, of course, but from our perspective, there's a few very solid benefits for our clients to go through someone like us. One, we've got a really solid understanding of the Philippines market. And so we're able to really effectively not only find the right talent, but we're able to bring them on, understand where they sit in terms of market rate and make sure we're providing resources that make sense against the you know, realms of what's happening in the Philippines locally. Secondly, yes, we provide all the IT hardware. So the client's responsible for software, but generally in cases where you don't have local support and someone delivering computers, if you're going to provide someone devices, don't expect them back, right? So a benefit of a provider is they generally will provide that IT hardware so that's out of your hands. And then thirdly and, and fourthly is a compliance perspective and that compliance stems from both what your Australian responsibilities are but also how the Philippines are benefiting from it. So the Philippines are really supportive of offshoring because last year it accounted for 12% of their GDP. It's a big money generator for them and also provides Filipinos amazing opportunities which of course feeds money back into the Philippines economy. 
Now, by going through a provider, you're following the rules of the government essentially, right? So we have a Philippines entity. We're paying employees who are getting taxed. We're getting taxed as a company. And so the company itself is contributing to the Philippines economy, which I think is such a huge part of the puzzle. And then on the Australian compliance side, to sum it up, is you get an Australian invoice, you know, in Aussie dollars with GST, you have no employee, you have no contractor obligations, you're not adding another person to work cover, you know, if you're large enough, you're not worrying about payroll tax, you have this layer of boundary where you're dealing with a supplier whose responsibility is Philippines labour law, your responsibility ends here. And so you're actually able to to have that stopgap of compliance in the middle. Mm, and certainly having an Australian dollar invoice is good from an exchange rate perspective, right, particularly at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally right. You, Yeah, you don't run all that risk. You know, it's got GST on it, which with local salaries you don't have that. So there's there are definitely some additional benefits, yeah. Okay, amazing. You know, that's so much information that you've shared. So a really great starting point for anybody interested in offshoring. Two last questions. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about offshoring and then how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, awesome. So we have included my Calendly link. So please, if you want to just have a chat, completely obligation free. I have a lot of people just reach out to me and ask me very straight shooter questions about the Philippines and what to expect. And then the second thing I just want you all to remember for those who are about to start this journey, and Philippines is one country of many, right? There are lots of countries that you can find resources in. I choose the Philippines personally because time zones are really closely aligned, their education is closely aligned, and their language barriers are almost non-existent, right? They're educated in high school and university in English, so it becomes far easier to adapt. But one of the things I will say is don't underestimate the cultural differences, there are still cultural differences and though you have to be aware of those. And so just to give a really quick example as we're ending this is they tend to be more people-pleasing by nature and that is very different to Aussies <laughs> for the most part, right? And so an example I always use is if you ask questions like, do you have roadblocks? They're probably going to say no because that's what they think you want to hear. Change the way you're questioning and start asking open-ended, what roadblocks do you have? And all of a sudden you're building this culture and environment of space and honesty and transparency, and that is very different to the conditioning they've had in the Philippines. So be patient, be consistent, and you will end up building some kick-ass teams. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm going to put all of Tiff's contact details in the show notes. But, Tiff, do you want to just let us know where can we find you? Obviously, we've got the calendar link in your show notes, but for people who are listening and driving and maybe can't, like, go to those right now, where can they find you? Yeah, so jump on our website, accessoffshoring.com.au. Tiffany English also on LinkedIn if you want to follow me for some really good tips about how to find the best stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much for your wisdom and time today, Tiff. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. 